0: Amen. Notice she didn't say my handsome husband like (laughs) Melissa did. Anyways, uh, yeah. That was interesting. She said, uh, because I forgot to say that a while ago, that was another thing I saw, is I saw a wall, and I saw a big hammer hit this wall, and this wall just shattered. And there's a scripture... I think it's in Jeremiah. It says, Is not my word like a hammer that knocks down the walls of sin? And God wants to free people that are behind walls of sin. And that's how one thing he does He says, bust that wall down. You had to, I found with the Lord many times you had to give him permission with your walls. In other words, ask him. Say, Lord, you can take my walls down. It's a dangerous request. Because he takes it seriously. He may knock it all down at one time, or he may just chip away at it. You ever had the Lord chip away at something in your life? Boom, boom, boom. But anyway, just give the Lord permission if you have um, any kind of wall, walls of hurt, walls of shame, walls of disappointment. Any wall that you have. And I also want to say something about moms. Uh just love, you know, I had just the greatest mama. Here was my mama. She was a very deeply spiritual person, but if you met her, you wouldn't think she was because she, she was um, uh, she was a country woman. She only went to the sixth grade. Uh, that's the only education she had. She never learned how to drive a car. My dad said uh, he was trying to teach her how to drive uh, after they got married, and they were driving down this dirt road, and this log truck was coming the other way, and she just let go of the steering wheel and put her hands over her eyes. And he said, that's it, no more. <laughs> so she never drove a car. You know, she wasn't an uh, intellectual person. Uh, and, you know, truthfully, she wasn't really a church person. She didn't really like church that much because we went to a Presbyterian church, and she went to more of a, what I would call a Baptist-costal church growing up. It was, they were, I've told people, you think River Life's loud? You go to that church she was in, it makes us look like church mouse. I mean, they were wild in that church. I've never seen anything like it, but (laughs) they were ripping and roaring in that church. It's just an old country church. But this is the thing I want to say my mama did for me. My mama had a deep spirituality, and she would say things to me that I can remember would stir my heart as a little boy. And a lot of times they were just very simple things, but it would cause this hunger in me. To rise up, there was something in me would rise up when she would say these things, and some of it has just stuck with me, and I think about it a lot in my life. and And I feel, and you know, and, and if you met some of her family, uh, other family members, like my, my cousins, you'd find out these people are like some of the most spiritual people you ever find, but they're real country people, and uh, so their spirituality doesn't always come across real slick and smooth. <laughs> but it comes across powerful. Um, I just want to encourage moms in here that you can have a profound impact on your children. My mama's been dead a few years now, but her impact on me was just amazing. I feel like my spirituality that God has given me came through my mama. I think she's the one who spoke it to me. She's the one who called it out in me. In very simple ways, not trying to be spiritual, just being a mama, just talking to a little boy. And, and you know, on the other hand, I don't want to paint a bad picture. My mama, if you talk back to her, she'd grab a boom, broom and give you one warning and tell you, I'm fixing to take this broom and hit you. <laughs> and she was not kidding. <laughs> she was not kidding. Nowadays, they would arrest people for doing what she used to do. I didn't think she should have been arrested for it. But anyways, mamas, you are amazing. And to be called a mother is a high honor. It's a high honor. If you're a mother, if you're a spiritual mother, if you're a mother, that's a great honor. Just for somebody, just to be named that. You just got to know that. You got to know that you, you're tremendous. And you, your influence is greater than you realize. It's greater than you realize. And you can guide people's lives and you can determine people's destinies just just by being a loving mother and just by speaking the life that you have to your family. And so I encourage you and I bless you as we already have, but we really do love you and thank highly of mothers. Amen? So, okay, I'm going to be, I want to talk to you this morning, um, I'm really interested always in what God is doing in the earth, and I find myself at times really distressed about things uh, because I'm just listening to what the news says uh, instead of focusing on what the the Lord says, although I think it's good to check on what's going on out there just so we can kind of see what the enemy's up to and know how to pray better. But, uh, you know, I believe that God has a blueprint for us and I think when we stick with the blueprint, it helps give us, gives us understanding about what he's doing, okay? And you can kind of forget the blueprint at times, and one of the blueprints that God has specifically spoken to us in this church at this time, that we're in a season of crossing over, okay? And so you have to go to the blueprint to look at what does that mean, uh, because it's not a word for a day, Okay? A lot of people think bad things about the Bible. It's like I tell people, you know, you read Acts and you read through the first ten chapters and all these amazing things happen, and they, everybody thinks it happened, that was ten years. Literally, ten years. Acts 1, one year 1. Acts 2, year 2. You know, that's, that's what it averaged out to be, ten years. So I think lots of times we get a, a warped perspective about our spiritual lives when we're not looking at this thing the way God wants us to look at it. And y'all just looking at me, uh, one of the things that the Lord did when he, so I've really studied this whole crossing over thing because it's such a challenging thing uh, to cross over. It's not easy. Crossing over is not, it takes God to cross over. I'll tell you that it takes the miracles of God. I found a lot of what you carry spiritually doesn't help you at that crossover moment. I hate to say that to you. It, because it requires, you know, Jacob started out as Lord, at one point, Lord, we need you. Mercy. We need God. You will not get, if you at a place where you don't think you need God and you're rolling and things are moving, you just need him to t- tidy up things, that's not a good place to be. God will bring you to a place where you're looking and you're, you're going to say, there's no way for me to get from here to there. But God, that's where God shows up. And that's where we need him to show up in our lives, is to do the miracles, And one of the things that they did, and I think we've talked about this, when they crossed over, is is he asked them to remember. Okay? He asked them to remember. In fact, he set up two monuments to remember. Okay? Two. One right in the river, right in the Jordan River, and one on, on the land on the other side. And I think that's such a vital thing that we need to be doing right now. I encourage you to take time to remember the things that God has done in your life. And ask God to show you, to remind you of things. I mean old things. God has reminded me of some stuff that happened in my life over 30-something years ago. And suddenly my life makes more sense because of what he showed me he did back in those times. And so I've spent a lot of time this year rehearsing in my heart, in my mind, remembering what god has done in my life things that he spoke to me revelations he's given me encounters i've had with him and some of them have been mind-boggling to me because when i saw it, i realized today looking back on it since i've grown spiritually and walked with god i've real, i've understood it more i've seen it different than what i was seeing it back then you know what i'm saying Y'all just sitting there, uh, does anybody know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, and I really encourage you to do that because that's part of the blueprint. That's part of God's design to help us possess and occupy the land, which is a whole nother big deal. It's one thing to cross over, that's a deal. There's a whole nother deal And once you begin to move into this possession phase. But if we don't follow the blueprint, it's like building a house, and like, well, I'm just going to not dig footers. Well, you're going to be sad that you didn't at some point. Real sad, because that house is not going to make it even through construction. You see what I'm saying? Well, one of the things, so that's one of the things we, I've been doing. Becky and I have done some, and, you know, it's been a really healthy thing. There's another thing that's starting to erupt, erupt, erupt with people right now. Different ones have talked about. It has to do with Gilgal. And if you're a man, don't put your hand in a certain part of your body. I'm going to read this. I encourage you to read Joshua 5. Just that one chapter is a great grab of this overview of this thing. It says uh, in verse 8, Joshua 5, verse 8, It was when they had finished circumcising all the people, meaning the men, that they stayed in their place in the camp until they were healed. In other words, they weren't going nowhere because they were not in shape to go anywhere. Uh, so that's really important. Uh, for us to hear this, there's a, a, a healing that God wants to do for people. It's people in this room need some healing. I'm telling you that now. Uh, then the Lord said to Joshua, "This day, listen, I have rolled away the repro- reproach of Egypt from you. I have rolled away. Gilgad means roll, rolling, roll away. And so that's some, some of the things that God is doing in people's lives right now. He's rolling things off in people's hearts. He's getting reproach from the past, hurts from the past, disappointment, bad things that have happened to us. God is in the middle of getting those things off in people's hearts and freeing them from the yoke of yesterday. Freeing them from the disappointments, freeing them for what didn't work, freeing them from whatever, your personal yoke, the thing that in your life that has hindered you and hurt you and set you back, God is in the midst of doing that today. And we need to give ourselves to Him to roll those things off in us and free us to move on. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck. Gilgal is an important place in the Bible. And it was their base of operation for, for them to possess the land. They would keep, from time to time, they would come back to Gilgal. I think, in our, that speaks in our Christian life, there's from time to time we need to go back and get a new, fresh, rolling away of other stuff that gets on us as we go. So I don't think it's a place we ever completely get away from. So different reproaches are being rolled away. Well, I wanted to talk about one specifically, just a few minutes this morning. Um, And perhaps it's because I'm so familiar with this particular reproach. Um, And I think most people are very familiar with it to some degree. If you're not, you will be. And it's the reproach of failure. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's failure. Failure. I believe God wants to visit the failures. God is interested in visiting failures. Let me read what Proverbs 24, 16 says. And speaking of Mother's Day, I don't think there's probably a mother in here that doesn't feel like a failure at times. I don't, I've never married a parent that didn't feel like they failed their children, they failed in this, they failed in that. That's part of, part of the great calling of being a parent is there's times when we just feel like we failed our children and God wants to visit you for that, that's a hard thing to have to live with. Probably one of the most hardest failures there is. It says, the right, A righteous, righteous man may fall. That word can be translated fail, literally. A righteous man can fail seven times and rise again. But the wicked shall fail or fall by calamity. Um, I think one of the things that, that I went through in the past season, I went through a great sense of feeling... Like a failure. I feel like I failed on a lot of levels. And I feel like God helped me to deal with failure. I feel like God helped me to face failure. Because nobody wants to face failure. Nobody wants to be a failure. Nobody sets out in life to fail. Everybody sets out to succeed, and God wants us to succeed. But you'll find, if you really study the Scripture, that God will walk you through failure so you can ultimately succeed. Some of the greatest successes there are are people who failed. Over and over. I'm talking about in the natural world and in the Bible. Go through the Bible. God's greatest men, all of them failed. The ones who did not allow God into the failure are the ones who stayed stuck in failure. Became a victim of it. It says in Psalm 145, verse 14, The Lord upholds all who fail. Or they say fall. Same word. The Lord upholds all who fail and raises up those who are bowed down. And raises them up. Lord have mercy. That's what God's doing right now. He's raising up the failures. He's, he's visiting failures. He's coming to failures. He wants to get them unstuck from their failure. I'm talking about any kind of failure. It can be the worst moral failure there was. God wants to visit you. He visited King David. A great man who failed miserably. Adultery, murder. God visited him and raised him back up. That should give you some encouragement because I don't know that anybody's murdered anybody here. But if you have, you know, failure is an ugly reality of life, right? Nobody wants to fail, but we all do. And it comes in lots of ways. You can fail on your job. Lord knows, I'll tell you this, men suffer failure on their job. I've seen men, grown men, weep because they lost their job not because they did bad but because the company did bad but they felt that they had failed their family in some way and I've watched them weep when they were losing their job because they felt like a failure it could just be somebody like you know the old saying you could just get caught up in somebody else's shipwreck but it creates a situation in your life where you feel like you failed regardless of whether you failed or it could be a failure of your own making something you've done the mistakes you've made, the error you've made. You know, one of the most the terrible one of the most terrible failures there are on earth, I can tell you this from my personal family experience, is a woman who wants babies and can't have it. I had a daughter for seven years that tried to have a baby. And it was one of the worst things I ever walked through with her. Because she was a person who could succeed at anything she did. And that's what I told her. I said, Grace, I'm gonna tell you this: God's after you. Because you have succeeded in everything you did in your life except this one thing. You could not succeed at it. Everything she would put her hand to, she could succeed at. But that was one thing that brought her to a place where she needed God to do something for her. Or she would never have had the babies. And thank God she's got two of them now. And thinking about having another one somehow. So I just want to encourage you today, even if you're in that situation... God wants to do something for you. I wanted to say something about the power of failure. Uh, it's, it's called the fear of failure. That's how powerful failure is. People fear it. People fear it. They are afraid to fail. and Many of them allow that fear to, to stop them, to lock them down, to hold them back. From doing what God's calling them to do. Many people have success in their life and then they fail and they can never have success again. Why? Because they've allowed the failure to shut them down, to stop them in their tracks. And they don't have this confidence and courage and belief anymore that God will bless them again and cause them to prosper and be successful again. There's many a businessman out there who have failed miserably and they've lived in failure. There's many of a preacher who's failed that either we wouldn't allow them to be successful again or they wouldn't allow themselves. That's not God. But failure is powerful because it creates this swirl of emotions in you. You know what I'm talking about when you fail? Here's, here's, here's some of the emotions. Embarrassment. You feel embarrassed about your failures. You just feel embarrassed. You feel angry about them. You're angry. You're angry at God. You're angry at yourself. You're angry at everything. It's just anger. Failure makes you mad. And it's not righteous. Then, of course, the fear. Then there's shame. Failures are some of the most shame-ridden people on earth because they feel shame because they failed. Am I talking to anybody besides me? (laughs) And, of course, there's despair. There's despair. You just feel despair about your life. And if you're not careful, those emotions will start ruling you. Your fear, your failure will start becoming your boss. And God doesn't want it. You become the victim of failure. And you'll live your life being a victim of your failure. You can also be a victim of success, but that's not what we're talking about today. I believe people who went through failure... And have allowed God to help them through it are never victims of their success. I can promise you that. One thing I learned in my most failing moments, some of my worst failing moments, was when you're in a place of failure, don't make life-directing, changing decisions. Because if you do, it's probably going to be wrong. One of the greatest examples of that in the Bible is a great man named Abraham, the father of faith, who made a terrible decision. Why? Because he failed to have a son, him and his wife. So they concocted a plan to have one. They should have never concocted that plan. We're suffering from it today. That's an example from the Bible. You need people around you when you fail. You need people who can speak to you and tell you the truth. You don't need to hide yourself. I find this with a lot of people who fail. They want to isolate themselves. They don't want people to know about their affair. They're too ashamed of it, so they they become very protective about these things. You can't get you can't talk to them about it. You know they no won't let you in. They're talking to themselves, and the devil's talking to them. It's not good. You need to be. I mean, I'm not talking to everybody about my failures, but I will talk to some people. I remember this. I'll tell you, this is a great example of having people who loved me and was able to straighten me out when I was in my failure. One of my failures is when the building broke because I felt like a failure. I felt like I failed this church, okay? And one of the things that I did is I resigned from being the pastor of this church. And this, I'll never forget this. I, I sent that email out on that Sunday. I was sitting in my house a few, few, few hours later. I was actually sitting on my porch. And I hear this car coming up the driveway, bump, 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 bump. And it was Dean, Dean Stein. I said, what are you doing here, Dean? He said, I read your email. He said, you're messed up. <laughs> you know what? That meant everything to me. That meant everything to me that he cared enough to come by and say, you ain't thinking right, son. Dang, uh, uh-uh. uh. then I got emails, texts from the other some of the other leaders. Like, uh, nah. What is wrong with you? Well, no, I'm like, shut up, <laughs> get over it. But those that's what we need in failure. But if you're hiding, you're not going to get it. You need those people. There's people, and and bless God, if you don't have those people, well, let's find some for you that they can tell you, shut up. You know, and saying it in a way that's loving, that heals you. That was one, I'll tell you, I'll never forget that moment. I will never forget it. It meant everything to me. That I had people that cared about me. And Byron, you're caught in the swirl of emotions right now. Let me tell you something, because I'm not caught in that swirl of emotion. I've sat with people who have had terrible failure in their life, moral failure. And it's, and you're doing everything you can to try to talk them out of going down that dark hole. Like, don't go down that dark hole. You don't have to. There's a God whose hand is here for you, who wants you out. This this does not mean... Well, someone said this. This is a great quote. In the Bible, failure, this is important, is an event, not your destiny. Failure is an event, not your destiny. And we really need to get that. I don't care how bad a failure it was. You know, it became Judas's destiny. It became a man named Demas' destiny, who forsook Paul as far as we know, that's the last same year. It became Saul of Tarsus' destiny. I don't believe in my heart it had to be that way. I'm going to leave that. Let me tell you what failure doesn't mean. I'll just, these are some things I wrote down. Your failure does not have to ruin the rest of your life, it doesn't mean you're a permanent loser. It doesn't mean you should give up. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned you or is disappointed or upset at you. I found out every one of those in some of my most failing moments. What failure does mean, it means you have failed, but you are not a failure. You failed, but you are not a failure. It means you have something to learn. Oh, Lord, help. Yes, sir, you have something to learn. It means you aren't as mature, wise, or spiritual as you thought. Failure has a way of just flat le- leveling the playing field. All of a sudden, you have been taken down off the high horse. I have been thrown off that horse, bad thrown off, and could not get back on it. And I want it back on it, trust me. But it'll bring you low. But if you let it while you're down there, it'll start talking to you about some things and teach you. And this is one of the greatest things. And Failure means that God has a better plan going forward for you. You find that over and over. That's the biblical truth that God has a better plan for you. You may have messed that marriage up or they may have messed it up. God has a better plan going forward. That's the hope of the Bible. That's the hope of God in our life. That God is eternally hopeful for us and doesn't quit on us and doesn't give up even in our worst moments, even in our most tragic failures. He's still saying, listen, I can work this out. I can walk this out for you. I can help you. I can get you to the next place. I'll get you to a better place. Well, we know one of the all-time casebook failures in the Bible was the man named Peter, right? He's the casebook study that everybody studies failure with. He should because he was a dramatic failure. He denied the Lord three times after being so boastful and full of strength and uh, when everything's good, we're full of power and vigor and fire. But we'll let the hammer come down hard. Where's the vigor and fire? And he didn't have it. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And that's what he did. He denied the Lord. And they, you know, I don't know what it means. I've heard different perspectives. Like one of them was cussing, cursing. Uh, putting curses on himself. You know, I like to think he just started cussing everybody when they said, you're one of his disciples. And he started, H, no, I'm not. You, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, star squiggly thing they do in cartoons. No, I don't know this guy. And that's what he did. That's what he did. You know? yet, later, months later, months later here he is the apostolic leader of the church that's being birthed first what, eight, nine, ten chapters of the Bible or the book of Acts devoted mainly to what Peter did his ministry, how God used him to not only birth the church but also go to the Gentiles and say Come on, we got the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. Wow. I mean, amazing. Yet yeah, this man stood in one of the moments of greatest fear. I was reading something. I don't really believe it. Tell you the truth, I don't think it's true. I think it's ridiculous, but there's a tinge of truth in it. Okay, just this tinge. It says that tradition says that Peter would start weeping when he ever heard a rooster crow after that. <laughs> Every time, that's why he moved to Rome to get away from roosters, moving to the city. There's no roosters in the city. I got to get out of here because he woke up every morning crying. I don't really believe that. Tradition also says that he would wake up every night and pray during the hour when he denied the Lord. Maybe he did. I don't know. But I tell you, this, this is the tinge of it. Failure, no matter what God does, is hard to forget it. It's hard to forget it. It's hard to forget it. I don't think, in fact, I think somehow in God's beautiful economy, he allows that one little memory to linger, not to bind you, not to poison you, but to glorify him, to honor him. Because I'm sure Peter, instead of crying when the rooster crows, he could stand up and face the rooster. You know, God has an ironic way of speaking to us. And I, I, I'm amazed at that story when it says that all the disciples in John 20 were just, and they're afraid. And what does he do? He walks through the wall and scares them to death even more. It's like God does some crazy stuff. We think, oh, they're scared. He's going to be really nice and gentle and knock on the door and tap on it. Hey, it's me, you know. No, he just walks through. Hey! And you're like, oh, there's a ghost in here. I'll tell you if you begin to study your life you'll see things, areas of your life and it seems like God comes you know and makes you it's like face the rooster Peter! When the rooster crows I'm not weeping because through the power of the Holy Spirit through the power and healing of Christ I've got this reproach rolled off in me. And I can stand up and look at that rooster like you don't scare me no more. You don't drag me down no more. I remember but I'm in a different place now. I'm in a place of, of real victory. That's, that's really good. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, amen. I can tell you some stories from my life, how God met me in what I would call ironic ways. That At the moment, it seemed terrible. But I don't have time because I'm wanting to be done because I think moms need to be loved on. And I'm going to let my kids love on my, my, my wife. Okay. Mark 16, 7. This is, I just want to give you a couple quick things that's really good. This is an angel at the tomb. Go, after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, go tell his disciples, listen, and Peter. I want you to get this. Go his, tell his disciples and Peter. Have you ever thought, what happened to Peter after he did all that stuff? Have you ever wondered about it? Like, where did he go? The last thing we hear is the cock crowed or the mooster rooster crowed and Jesus looked at him and it said he went out and wept bitterly. Bitterly. That's the last thing we know about Peter at that moment. We knew nothing else about him. What did he do over those few days? Where did he go? I guarantee you, Peter, got away from everybody because when you fail like that, the last place you want to be is around those people that love you, people who know what you did, right? Failure isolates us. Just like sin will isolate you, failure will isolate you. It will put you around your little wall. You don't want nobody to see you because you're too embarrassed, you're too ashamed, and you've got these questions all of a sudden. And I'm sure Peter had these questions like, am I a traitor now? Have I been rejected now? Do I still belong? Am I still a disciple? Where does my life go from here? These are all questions that failures deal with. When you fail, you wonder where you belong. You wonder about your sense of belonging. That's the truth, right? I mean, or am I the only one who's felt that way? Do I belong anymore? I have felt a person who commits adultery. That's what they think. They don't think they belong in the body of Christ anymore. They think God has written them off, And so we... Put ourselves in our little solitary confinement. Self-imposed solitary confinement. All locked away. Asking those questions. I don't know where he was at because the Bible doesn't really tell us where he was at. But I promise you, he was probably one of the most lonely people that was on the earth in that point in time. Because he was all alone with his thoughts. All alone with the devil talking to him about how he messed up. How he didn't belong. Anybody know about that? I was thinking about who you are and whose you are. Y'all have heard that before, right? Who you are and whose you are. You know that's what failure does to you. It challenges your identity, who you are, and it also challenges who you belong to. Like Peter, well, like, do I still belong? Am I? Do I? Am I in? Because everybody wants to be in. Nobody wants to be outside looking in. And see what failure does. Failure makes you feel that way. Like I don't belong. There's something wrong with me. I guarantee these people sitting in here this morning feel that way. You, you feel like I don't belong. I don't, I, don't feel, I don't fit in. There's something wrong with me. And this is what the Lord wants to tell you. That's not true. You belong. That's what the spirit of adoption is. It's a spirit of belonging. That's when the Holy Ghost comes to people. You got to let the Holy Ghost come to you and tell you, "Listen, that ain't true. You do belong." That's one of the greatest things you've got to be able to have. Now, have you ever been around people who belong to a significant organization, like a really good sports team? You know, have you ever noticed how they get identity from what they belong to? Or like they, people who belong to a, a church like a, that's in revival. Have you ever been around people like that? And your church is not in revival and theirs is? And they have this thing going. I remember back in the 80s. Thank you, Buzz uh, Stepanek. One of his kids are here. Don't tell your daddy I said this. We worked. I was back in the engineer days. We rented a floor on the IBM building in Charlotte. It was this building called the IBM building. It was actually right next to, close to a Billy Graham's home place before his home place was moved. it's literally his home place. But the rest of the building was full of IBMers. This was back when IBM was called Big Blue. They were on top of the world. And everybody who worked for IBM knew that they were on top of the world. And they let us know, like, we are better than you. <laughs> they never said that. They just acted that way. They would look at us with disdain, and they all wore the same kind of clothes gray suits. Yep, gray suits. I thought, wow, oh, Lord. Well, one day, my friend, I had a friend who was not a desirable character in terms of, he was kind of rough. He walked to his car and he caught an IBMer taking his briefcase and setting it on my friend's car to unlock his BMW. And my friend walked down there and he said, let me tell you something, buddy. This is the way this is working. If I ever catch you put your briefcase on my car again, I'm going to take that briefcase and I'm going to stick it somewhere the sun doesn't shine. (laughs) That's what he said to him. I know that sounds kind of rough. He could have been talking about under the car for all that (laughs) noise. Anyways, that was just a boiling over of our being disgusted by those people thinking that we were lesser people because we didn't work for IBM. You know? It's human nature to want to get identity that you belong to something, that you fit in, that you're accepted, that you're a part. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for people. He wants people to know, you can be the worst failure and my arms will be wide open to you. There's This is what... yep. Thank you, Lord. This is what the Lord showed me years ago. This is what he showed me. He said, Byron, everybody has a place at the Father's table. Everybody has a seat. Everybody. And no one can take your seat. No one. There's not a person on this earth can take your seat. It's for you. If somebody tries to take it, they would be bad. And God invites people to... Take that place and let the shame of failure be broken off your life. I'm going to give you one more scripture. Are you okay? Yeah. One more scripture. I'll read it and I'll be done. I love this because I've never really seen it until I read this and thought about it. This is 1 Corinthians. Get your, the Lord wants, to, he wants you to get your identity from Him because He's the only person who can really give you identity, not what you belong to. He wants you to belong to his kingdom and know that you belong, that you belong to his house and that he welcomes you. He wants to break that reproach off of you. I don't care who you are in here this morning. But this is beautiful right here. First Corinthians 5, this is Paul talking about the gospel. He said, I delivered you, first of all, and I wanted to say this, New American Standard says this better. It says, I delivered you of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. And he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That was what Paul was saying is of first importance. And it will always be the first importance for us. That Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again. That's the true gospel. And when his resurrection power is released to us. But this is so beautiful. Listen. And he was seen, listen, by Cephas, that's Peter, then, then, did y'all ever know that? Then by the twelve. In other words, God went to Peter separately, independently of everybody else and made a special meeting of him without anybody else seeing it, without anybody else knowing because he wanted Peter to know, Peter, you are still mine. You still belong. I want you. And don't you believe anything else. You go back. You hook yourself back up with the rest of them. And I'm going to visit all of you. That's what he did. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? i never seen that then thing. It just shows you the heart of God towards people. I'll visit you. Then I'll re- re- visit all the rest of the good guys who didn't blow it. Well, we know other things happened. I believe Peter was in that room. When Jesus went there and scared everybody to death. We know Peter had to be restored. We know he had to have another encounter. to see, there's more that God has for us. But this morning, I'm just saying, whatever your reproach is, if your reproach is failure, or if you just don't feel like you belong, whatever it is today, I'm here to tell you something different. Now, I'm telling you what I'm saying is the truth. I'm here to tell you, you belong. I'm here to tell you you're not a reject and you are not on the outside looking in unless you choose to be there. And you can get out from under failure. You can learn to face failure, look it square in the eyes, and make failure your servant. And make it serve you. As Arthur Burt said, let your past failures be the fertilizer for your future success. And he wants you to rule over your failures. He wants you to learn from your failures. He wants to redeem your failures. God, the whole Bible is about a God who came to a failed men. The first people who showed up on the earth were failures. Adam and Eve. They failed. And then the rest of us, it was like a domino effect. Zzz. You know? The domino's a failure. But I'll tell you, God, that's what the Bible's about. It's about a God of hope. It's about a God who says, I will get into your failure with you. I'll get that reproach off in you. I'll free you. And I'll bring you in to your destiny because your failure is not your destiny. So let me just pray for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll More fire and
1: praise. You know the expression, like, I wrote the book on failure? Well, I actually did write a book on failure. And for those of you who are, who are new to the church... Um, I literally have a testimony that is everything that was preached about finding your identity in your business and then losing your identity because of failure, or letting your failure work for you instead of against you, all these things. Because I didn't have just one failure, I had failure after failure after failure. So um, I just, the whole time you were saying that, I felt led to, and it felt weird to plug the book. But next week, I'll go ahead and, and bring some books to church. And if anyone wants to purchase them, but it's all about finding your identity in the lord and in the person of jesus not in your failures or in any of your successes either because sometimes sex successes can bring failures so um amen we have the ministry team come up or just hand it back over to you but i'll bring those next week if anyone would like them
0: that really is a good book about uh, financial especially financial favor business people failure and it is redemptive i just wanted to pray because this is what i believe um I was reminding, before I came to this church, a, a friend of mine said, Hey, Byron, how are you going to help that church? And I had this great answer. I had this great plan in my mind. And as I opened my mouth to say it, it was like God hit the commode flush. That's what he, and it flushed down the commode. And I sat there and thought for a moment, What am I going to do? This person looking at me, waiting on my answer. And God gave me the answer. This is what you're going to do. You are going to get those people and you're going to help them get to me. And when they get to me, I can help them. That's what Jesus did with Peter. Jesus met Peter and helped him so he could further help him. And that's what God wants to do for every person in this room. God wants to have a personal encounter with you. With you. Our job in this church, we're just assistants. We're like bird dogs in some ways. We're just trying to point people. This is, we found a way, and we're just trying to say, hey, we we found this path, and God is in the path. God is the path, and we're inviting you to come to this path, and you can have this encounter with the Lord yourself. You can have this encounter with your Lord, and we really try to try to do this. We've not always been successful, and it. it's been times we flop. Paul put it like this: I planted, Paul this water, but God gave the increase. That was sort of the more biblical way of saying it, but God. I'm here to declare to you that we are assistants to God. This ministry team, we're all God's assistants. The worship team, we're His assistants. We're helping God accomplish what God wants to do. And this is what He wants to do. He wants to bring you to Himself for you to encounter Him on a personal living way. And you will know personally that there's a God in heaven that loves you, that cares about you, and wants to bring you in to all that he has for you. I I just love that. That's the God I know. And that's the God that wants to reveal himself to you. So, Lord, I pray for everybody in the room. Lord, we've all got failure to some degree. I pray for those who are hiding this morning and are offended about failure and who are messed up about it. I pray you'd release them today. You would release them today. Some of you, God is letting you stay in your failure because your success is going to be so great. Your failure is what's going to keep you from your success from destroying you. You have to know that. Don't give up in your failure. Don't give up. Keep trusting God, He's going to walk you out. Ask Him what to do, He wants to encounter you there. And some of us have just quit and given up. Lord, I pray for them also, that they would rise up today in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that there's a Father in Heaven who's a true Father, who loves His failing sons and daughters and wants to help them. Let's pray for that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll have a ministry team come up,
1: if you could. So if you want prayer before you leave today about something that spoke to you today, or anything else. Healing, we'll we'll go after it. So come on up as we continue to minister. If you um, don't want to do that, then you can be released. So go celebrate a mom today. Go have fun. Enjoy your week. We love you. and We're so glad you're here. Y'all have a good day.